Right, let's just pray as we come to God's word. Father God, speak to us this morning that we may hear what you want to say to us. Draw us to your presence that we may learn from you. Amen. Right, so we're talking about solitude. Since Christmas, we have been following a a series of sermons all about different disciplines of becoming like Jesus, things we can do to help us become more like him. And today we're thinking about solitude. May not be something you've thought about before, but we are thinking about solitude. Now maybe if you cast your mind back a few years now before the advent of mobile phones, you might remember when you take a book on a train journey or a newspaper. And if you finished reading, you would stare out of the window until you reached your destination. Your mind would just wander and think. Or you might be in a restaurant and you'd be waiting for your food to come. You just sit and think and look around you. Or it's a bus stop and you'd just be sitting, watching the world go by. These days, any little moment like that, and we fill it, if you like me, with your phone. Oh, I'll just check my emails. I'll just see what the weather's going to be like a week on Tuesday. Because we're constantly, our minds are on the go. And we're, fit, we're able to fill them with this little device that we keep in our pocket. But today, we're thinking about solitude. So first of all, what is solitude? Well, let's think about what it's not. It's not loneliness. It's not being an introvert. It's not just being on your own. I live on my own, but that's not necessarily solitude. Solitude that we're thinking about today is about a deliberate separation from other people, from other things, things that intrude on our mind. It's a time set aside purely to nourish your soul. An intentional unplugging. We hear a lot about mindfulness um, at the moment. Mindful colouring, mindful walking, mindful mindfulness really, as we often hear it, is solitude, but without God. We're thinking today about solitude and silence with God. And the best way to learn about solitude is from Jesus. We heard in our reading this morning that Jesus often would withdraw to a lonely place. And we're going to look at some of those ways, why he withdrew for different reasons and where he withdrew. So first of all, let's think about that word lonely place it was in our reading today. Sometimes it's called the wilderness. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar, um, but from my reading on this subject, I've discovered that the Greek word used here... Now, I've had a lesson from Andrew Killick after nine o'clock, so hopefully I'm going to pronounce it right this time... Um, is 
Eremos, I think. Not Eremos, as I was saying. But if I say Eremos, you know what I mean. Um, Eremos is translated as a lonely place. And sometimes when we think about the wilderness, particularly of the wilderness, when we think of Jesus going to be in the wilderness for 40 days, my mind thinks of a desert and sand and heat. And, but ne- it's not necessarily that when we read that in our English translations. It could mean a deserted place, a desolate place, a quiet place, a lonely place, Or it could refer to the wilderness. So, the first thing, if we think to Jesus' baptism, the first thing he did after he'd been baptised was he took himself off to his quiet place to pray and fast and prepare himself for the job God had for him to do. And he spent six weeks in his quiet place. That's some retreat, isn't it? His quiet place wasn't a place of weakness where he was tempted. It was his place of strength. And because he'd been in that place for six weeks, because he'd been preparing and fasting and focusing on God, he was ready and he was in a place of strength. So when that temptation came, he was ready to fight it. And we see him time and time again going back to his Eremos um, to get that strength. Mark chapter 1 mentions Jesus in the wilderness. It's like, and then it goes on to describe his first day on the job, if you like. So it It mentions he's he's been in the wilderness, he's had his filling up, he's been there for six weeks and he's come out and he's ready to start work. So he goes and establishes his team, chooses his team, he teaches in the synagogue, he heals the sick, he drives out evil spirits and long into the evening people kept coming with questions and bringing their sick to be healed. He must have been exhausted. And what do we see him doing the very next day? Not having a lie in, thinking, oh, yesterday was hard work. No. Jesus is up very early in the morning going off to pray. Because even though he'd had six weeks of Eremos time, he still needed to reconnect with his father to refuel This wasn't just a one-time feast for Jesus. It was part of his rhythm of life. He withdrew and spent time alone with God. But he did it for quite a few different reasons. So we're going to have a look and see how Jesus used solitude. Because it might give us some ideas of ways that actually when we need to withdraw and spend time with God. So the first was prayer. It says several times, like in today's reading, he withdrew, withdrew to pray. We've talked about him, his time of six weeks of preparation, preparation for the major task. He'd often he'd withdraw to be refueled and filled up and ready. Also to recharge. 
Um, Mark chapter 6, after he's had a full-on day, the 5,000 have been there with him all day and he's fed them and he withdraws. He sends his disciples off and he goes and withdraws and spends time with God, recharging. To work through grief, when he hears about the death of John the Baptist... He withdraws so that he can work through that grief on his own with God. He knows he needs God's refilling to cope with that human emotion that he's feeling. Before making a big decision, we see Jesus going off to his quiet place. Before he called the 12 disciples, he's had a time away. The disciples, he's in a place and the, he goes off and prays and the disciples go, right, let's go this way. And he says, no, we're going that way. And we see him in times of great distress, like before his arrest. He, he knows he needs that time with God. The bigger the demand on Jesus, the more he withdrew. And his primary reason to withdraw was to be alone away from people, away from life, just to focus on his heavenly father and to linger in prayer. How often, though, is our quiet time the first thing that goes when life gets stressful, when life gets busy? The first thing we drop is that time with God. Martin Luther famously quoted as saying I have so much to do now I'm so busy now that I if I did not spend the first three hours each day in prayer I couldn't get through the day that really challenges me every time I read it because I think oh I do the absolute opposite of that and if the son of God if Jesus himself lived a life of intentional intense prayer withdrawing how much more must we need to do that throughout the christian christian tradition we've seen christians withdrawing right back to the 3rd century there were people who withdrew so much from life they lived in the desert and spent their whole life communing with God. Solitude was something that people knew they needed in order to be close to God. Even as the rise of monasticism happened and people, monks and nuns would live in community, Still, a huge chunk of their day was solitary in prayer, alone with God. Teresa of Avila is quoted as saying, Settle yourself in solitude and you will come upon him in yourself. It's when we take that time away that we really meet God. We can't talk about solitude without also talking about silence. The two are linked together so much through Christian history. The less that we hear other people's voices, the more we can hear God's voice. 
We think of Elijah when he was, was up on the mountain. It was the still whisper of God's voice that he heard. God wasn't in the storm and the wind. He was in the small, still voice. And when we enter into silence, we can hear God so much more. But there are two types of silence. There's an external type of silence and an internal silence. External noise is so much easier to shut off than internal noise. We can turn the television off. We can take our headphones out. We can put our phone in on silent in a cupboard. But internal noise, that mental chatter that goes over and over in your head is much harder to shut off. And getting into a regular time of solitude with God, we learn to, to turn that off and become one with God. Noise, in C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters, he says that the demons see silence as a danger to their cause. They actually want to fill the world with noise so that people can't hear God. And our world right now is so noisy. There's so much that we, to make it hard for us to hear God. So let's think about some steps into solitude. How can we start to build that practice of solitude into our daily rhythm of life? Well, the first thing we can do is we can take advantage of those little solitudes that happen in life. Like I talked about at the beginning, those few moments of peace before everybody else wakes up in the house. We can claim those as a bit of solitude for us and God. That cup of coffee just before you start work. Even the rush hour traffic jam that you sit in every morning. We can claim those as little gaps of solitude for us and God. Could be going for a walk and just actually allowing ourselves to hear the bird song. Just to breathe that in. Before the nine o'clock service this morning, we were sitting in the prayer room praying and it was so beautiful and quiet. You could hear the birds and it was just like... <sighs> it's finding those little moments of rest and refreshment that we can lose so easily by getting out that phone or by rushing on to the next thing for fear of being bored or for... I can get something else done on my to-do list that we can just easily miss those opportunities of times of inner quiet that just reorient ourselves, refresh our souls. So that's the first thing we can do. The second thing is we can choose ourselves a quiet place. Could be somewhere in the home that you just think, that is my little place. A special chair, a little corner of a room. Somewhere that you think, that is my place that I can go and commune with God. Maybe the garden, a bench in the garden that's just your place that you can sit and you know that when you're in that place, this is my intentional time. Maybe the shed or the garage, a particular spot in the park, your car. For me, my caravan has been that place 
or I can just be me and God and spend time. We can use the church building. You can come in, it's open during the day. You can come in and just spend some time with God. The other thing we can do is develop doing a task in silence. A task that's really easy, like cleaning the shoes or even cooking a meal that you know how to do. Intentionally go, right, I'm just going to do this silently and I'm going to focus on God as I do it. Like a favourite craft, like knitting or Kevin does wood turning. We've talked about this this week. In a, that's your, just your time, that everything else goes away. You're focusing on doing that and your mind can talk to God. Walking the dog, gardening, things like that that you can intentionally say, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to music, I'm not going to chatter, I'm just going to let that be a silence. Or you can book yourself in. Lots of places organise Christian retreats. The diocese organise them. Scargill House, New Yorkshire Dales, is not that far from here. St Oswald's Community House in Slights, they all organise retreat days. Basically, it's about us finding a space, making a space in our lives so that God can reach us. Because just like any relationship, we need to make time to spend alone with the person that we love. A time where we can talk about our secrets, we can share our dreams, we can talk about our fears, and we can just be together. So once we've found that place, what can we do? It's about learning to intentionally still yourself and focus your thoughts on God. Lectio 365 is an app that quite a lot of people at church use. And that's its aim, is to help us to still ourselves and spend time focusing on scripture and on God. Choose a short verse of scripture and just read it over and over. Start with a short period of silence. It's really hard to be silent. Three minutes, start with that, build it up. We just need to create the space. The rest is up to God. We just need to learn to wait on him and expect him to turn up. Pete Gregg says we have to learn that we're not necessarily expecting a huge epiphany or a big booming voice. It might just be a feeling that knowing we're loved by God, feeling refilled by him, a feeling of peace, but be expectant that God is going to come and meet with us. So you might be thinking, okay, that's fine. She's up at the front talking about it, but what what does she do? Well, me, I'm on a journey. I'm not an expert at this. Some years ago, I realised that I actually need to build time in to put myself back together. And if I'm honest, I'm... I kind of thought of that without involving God, just me. I need to go and put myself back together when life's been really busy. But actually, God soon kind of went, "Uh, excuse me, that's my job to put you back together. You don't do that on your own. And I built into my rhythm of life times when I would get away. I said about my caravan, would try and go away in my caravan just for a couple of nights, just to have some space and time, no television, 
a nice, a nice picturesque spot and just... I also found a little space on my way home from work where I used to live. There was a beautiful, tall, high hill and a lovely point I used to stop on my way home from work and read my Bible and look out and just build that quiet time in. I've stopped listening to the radio in my car on my way to work. Sometimes I'll put a, a worship song on. Sometimes, most of the time now, it's just silent. So I can just be with God without other internal noise. It's hard, though, that internal noise I've really struggled with. And lots of you know, I've lost, had a lot of grief in my life in the last few years. And actually, that internal noise was really, really hard. And I spent a lot of time where I couldn't have silence because the internal voices were just, it was just too much. And I had music playing or the television on or something. And I'm just now getting to that point again where God is, he has healed a lot of that. And now I can cope with silence again. I'm trying to build into intentional times to still my mind and my body. Just allowing God to talk to me. After Catherine preached a few months ago, I started to go out for coffee with Jesus. Just leave the housework, leave the house, because I can sit at home, but I find it really hard not to do something because there's so much to do in the house and you see it, don't you? So after Catherine preached, I thought, I'm going to try that. And I'd go out to coffee sit in a, a cosy corner in a cafe somewhere and even though there's people around they're nothing to do with me and I read my bible and just talk through things with God that's how I'm trying to do it but please don't think I'm an expert lots and lots of people have written on this subject Henry Nouwen who was a Dutch Catholic priest in the 20th century said, without solitude, it's virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. It's in solitude that we're freed from our bondage to people and our compulsions to for people. And we're freed to love God in those times. As we were worshipping um, this morning, we were just adoring God. I was reminded of Mother Teresa who famously said, when you spend an hour a day adoring your Lord, that's when you'll be okay. And it's that just having time to intentionally adore God. So, I've written a little acrostic poem to help us remember what solitude is all about and some things to us in. It's not great. I'm not really a poet, but acrostics are easy. So, the first thing is silence. O is for often. L is for lingering. Lingering in prayer. I is intentional. Making those intentional times. T is for time. U is for unhindered. D is for deliberate. And E is to be expectant. 
And when we can start to build these kind of times into our life, our relationship with God is going to be so, so much better. You may never have thought of solitude before this morning. It might be something that you do a lot and you've not actually thought of it as solitude. But it's a practice, a Christian practice that develops and disciples us. So let's, let's have a go. Um, let's just make ourselves still. I've got a prayer here from, hopefully, yes, uh, from Pete Gregg from his book, How to Hear God. And I'm not going to read it. I'm going to let you read it. That's why it's on the screen. Let's just be still and quiet. As my challenge for you this week is, find a time to build some solitude for you and God.